I got a quick question for you before we get started. Why do people hide? Why do they do it? Why do they hide? Everybody grab a work partner, write down your top two or three, you got like 30 seconds, go. Why do people hide? Okay, you got a top three? Everybody's got three reasons why people hide? Okay, so raise your hand. Why do, why do, why do people hide? Real out. Sin? Pretty generic, sis, but okay, all right. Yeah. Fear. Yeah, fear. Okay, what else? I didn't, I didn't call on you, bro. I don't know who you are, but right here. Irresponsibility, like, yeah, you know, okay, all right. Melissa? Shame. Oh, yeah, shame. Shame, that's good, okay, yeah. Pride? Okay. Oh, that's what you had? Okay, one more. Guilt, oh, man, yeah, yeah. Wuggy. Oh, he hides because he's humble. Okay, all right. I think that will depend on the context. Okay, last one. <laughs> what? Oh, to escape punishment. Do thieves hide? Yeah, they hide. What if you got ready for school? You know, you do all your stuff, you get ready for school, and, and as you're climbing off the bus to go into class, you look down and you're buck naked. What are you going to do then? <laughs> you're going to hide, aren't you? I want to submit to you the reasons that people hide they will all inexorably be tied back to this one concept of fear. And that's what I want to talk to you about tonight. And so to get our minds right, here's a scripture. This isn't going to be our text, but, but I, I just want us to frame everything that we've seen this week. And prayerfully, I, I trust that this will set us up for tonight. Psalms 46.10 says, Be still and know that I'm God. And then look what he says. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. Man, let me tell you, somebody needs to take that passage and preach a missions conference. Lo, I am with you all. I don't want to write the outline for you, but there it is. The God of Jacob is our refuge, Selah. And so, Father, I come to you tonight, and Lord, I'm asking that you'd help us I'm praying for the fearful. I'm praying for the cowardly. I'm praying for those that just think that they can't. So I'm praying for the weak. I'm praying for those that think they could never count for Christ. Lord, would you bring them forward tonight? Bring them out of hiding and in obedience to your mission. Lord, I'm begging that you'll strip away the lies that the world and our flesh and the devil tell us. That, Lord, you'd open our eyes to our own cowardice and worldly fear. Lord, that we'd hear your call and that, God, you would use us to make, the, to make the nations know and exalt you. Help us to see that you are with us in the work that you're calling us to. And Lord, because you never forsake your own, we can never fail if we're willing to move forward in faith. Lord, I'm praying that some people will stop with the excuses tonight, that some men and some women will recognize that you're calling them out you're calling them out. You're calling them to the pastorate. You're calling them to missions. The world is lost and dying in sin. And if, and if the people don't come from this group to go and shine the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ, who's going to do it? Lord, open our eyes to your truth. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.
I believe there's a number in the assembly tonight. I know there's a number in our churches today that are hiding behind excuses. Uh, Maybe some people are just selfish and lazy and they can admit that. Maybe that's the case, I don't know. But hiding behind excuses or fears. Man, I, I, I could never be used of God. Or maybe you've got a victim mentality. Why would God ever use me? And you use those as reasons to not surrender to God's call on your life. And tonight, I'm, I'm just calling you out. I'm calling you to stop hiding from the call of God on your life. You know, some of you, you've known for quite some time that God's calling you into the pastorate where he's calling you to be a missionary. He's calling you to just disrupt your entire life and to sell it all into his service. And you know he's doing that, but you've got these reasons, you've got these excuses, you've got these circumstances, you've got whatever it is that you've got, you're holding on to that, you're hiding behind it. Turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter one. Everybody knows this story, but we're gonna start at the beginning. And I want you first to see the call I want you to see God's plan for his man. You know, God, it's never changed. His plan has always been to greatly use man. His plan has always been to use you. It's been this way since the beginning. Here it is. Here's the Great Commission in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. So God created man in his own image, and in the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful. Hallelujah, somebody. I mean, I just gotta get my wife pregnant and I fulfill your will? Well, let me see about that. (laughs) Be fruitful. Bro, men, I never get, like it never ceases to amaze me. I'm your best friend right now. This is where you lean over and you whisper to your wife, amen, sister. (laughs) Let's be fruitful. I mean, whatever, okay. Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. Fill the earth with sons and daughters of God that will give glory and worship to God Almighty. Subdue it, have dominion, there it is. So there's the mission in Genesis chapter one. It's really simple, the word of God to man. Be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth. Take it over. Now, that's an easy commission. What is the only thing that can hinder it? What is the only thing that would keep them from rocking the planet for God's glory, what would that be? You guys know it, everybody knows this story. What's the one thing? Sin, it's sin, rebellion. So turn to Genesis chapter two, verse 16. The Lord God commanded the man saying, of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, everything, God's so good, he's so generous, everything you see is on the menu except this one tree. There's only one tree that you don't eat from. And because God so loved Adam and he wasn't willing that he would perish, he gave him, he, I mean, he gave him up front. Good news. It's all on the menu. Do not eat that one. If you eat that one, you'll surely die. And the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Well, we all know Satan's attack. Just go on and right over to Genesis chapter three. And I want to submit to you tonight that what Satan does to Adam and Eve is he's framing, right? He's tempting mankind to view God's call on their life as unreasonable. That's your next blank. He's, he's, the way he's framing it is he's trying to get them to see that God's call on their life, what God wants out of their life, it's unreasonable. Verse one says, now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, 
Yea, hath God said. Yea, hath God said. You shall not eat of every tree of the garden. So there it is. What Satan is doing, he's saying a life of submission to God's call, according to Satan, results in what? The first thing is submission to uncertainty. Yea, hath God said. Can you really trust what the word of God declares over your life? I mean, if you do that, you're in great danger of just wasting your life. Yea, hath God said. Can you really know what he said? Can you really trust it? And you know what? If you couldn't trust the word of God, if you couldn't, if you couldn't trust the call of God over your life, well, then that would make sense. The woman said unto the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, you shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it. She adds to the word of God here, if they're gonna tend, if they're gonna keep the garden, then they're gonna be touching this tree to take care of it. They just can't eat of it. And so there it is. She is now joining with Satan and, and twisting the word of God. She says, God hath said, you shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. And the serpent just flat out lies. The serpent said unto the woman, ye shall not surely die. So right there, if you submit to the word of God, that's submission and futility, that's your second blank. He says, ye shall not surely die. You know, unbelief kills faith, doesn't it? Obviously, duh. You can have it all, you can be a, I mean, you know, you can be, you can be a Christian without submission to God's word. You're not gonna die. For God doth know, verse five, that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened. Here it is. You shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. So there he's framing it as submission to a life of inferiority. If I follow God's will, if I follow God's plan for my life, that is second best living at best. God's holding out on you. He knows the only reason he won't let you have the fruit of that tree is because, the, because he knows if you eat it, you'll be like him. And he doesn't want that for you. He's holding that out from you. You shall be as God's. He's holding out on you. Don't you see, his plan for your life is inferior. A life of submission to God's call on your life, according to Satan, if you can't trust God's word, it is uncertain. If it's all a lie, then it's submission and futility. And ultimately, you can be your own God. You can do what you want, the way you want, how you want it, with who you want. So Eve bought into this satanic logic. And so here we go, point number two, we see their failure. And it brings them to a place where they end up hiding from God. Verse six, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. Okay, so there is the sin. Sin is simply rebellion against God's word. It is how we miss the mark of God's holy, righteous standard. Satan's attack is one of, you know, framing this, this you know, the word of God at this point is so short. It's a handful of verses, right? It's a couple verses in chapter one. It's a couple verses in chapter two. You can memorize the whole Bible in a minute at this point in human history. You know the word of God. So he's framing the word of God as unreasonable and quite frankly, a waste of your time. And quite frankly, <laughs> if you do that, you are not gonna live your best life. 
God's holding out on you. And so the decision is, is God really worth this? Is he really worth my submission, my surrender? Because at, at issue tonight, I mean, it was, it was there for Eve, it's there for you tonight. The issue is, is obedience to God the lesser path? I mean, it is if God didn't mean what he said. It is if God was lying, it is if God's holding out on you. Then obedience to God is a waste because it doesn't really matter, you shall not surely die. Think about Adam's rationale, why did he eat? You read 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 13 and 14. Adam knew what he was doing. He wasn't deceived. He knew and rebelled anyway. Why? I think, I think I know why. Man, he loved this woman. And he knew he'd rather be with her in death than submitted to the call of God over his life. His rationale was, I'm going to lose too much if I go God's way. I'd rather have what I can have, what I can get in this world versus obedience to Christ. So what's their response? Very simply, it's a response of rebellion. It's rebellion against the call of God over their life. She took the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her and he did eat. So now there is rebellion. Sin is now the current state of mankind. What's the result? Verses seven and eight. Here's the pattern, fear, fear. Verse seven says, and the eyes of them both were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Here it is, Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. In Genesis chapter three, they're hiding from the God who loves them and has called them. They're hiding from him. Verse nine, the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, where art thou? Hiding from you, that's where. He's hiding, hiding from your voice, hiding from your word, and this is what Satan wants. He wants our fellowship with God ruptured. He wants us ruptured in our fellowship with God. What did God want? God wanted to use Adam to turn the world upside down for his glory, that's what God wanted. Satan didn't want it, so he leads Adam in sin into unbelief and rebellion and fear. Sin ruptures our fellowship with God. You wanna get that down in your notes. See, your relationship with God, I mean, if you're saved, you're saved. Your relationship is sure, but your fellowship with God is a function of your following his will. So don't miss the picture here. Fear then, is used of the enemy to separate us from the will of God. God's calling, we're afraid, we're hiding. It places us in hiding from God. And so now instead of propagating sons of God that have access to the tree of life, Adam is hindered in sin. And Adam is now indeed, I mean he is like God. God himself says it. Skip down to verse 22. The Lord God said, behold, the man is become as one of us. What was Satan's promise? He shall be as God's. No, that's what happened. I mean, he didn't lie about that. Of course, he didn't tell her the whole truth, did he? He didn't tell her that the wages of sin is death. God told her. Well, he told Adam. Man has become as one of us to know good and evil. And now, lest he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever, therefore the Lord God sent him forth from the garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken. 
So Adam is now indeed like God, but, but now he's without God's righteous nature. And so now here's the catastrophe. God's call on Adam's life, the mission, it's hindered. Adam's purpose from, from God, the purpose, the call that he got from God, it's now perverted in the world. It's catastrophic. God gives a call, man refuses it, he takes his own path and ends up hiding from God. And I'm telling you, this is a pattern that we see over and over again in the word of God, and I'll submit to you, it's a pattern that we see over and over again in the life of believers in so many churches. Some of you tonight, you are hiding from God's call on your life. So point number three, let's look at some examples. We've seen the pattern, now let's look at how this plays out in whole or in part. Uh, The examples abound in God's word. Look at Judges chapter six, and we see the example of Gideon. Uh, Israel is in a really, they're in a really tough spot. Uh, They rebelled against the word of the Lord. They're worshiping other gods, and God uses the Midianites to chastise them, to discipline them, and now the Midianites have taken over Israel. God allowed that over the evil that Israel had committed before him. And the Midianites impoverish them. I mean, they just break. They just break the nation of Israel. Look at verse three. Judges six, verse three. And so it was when Israel had sown that the Midianites came up and the Amalekites and the children of the east, even they came up against them. And they encamped against them and destroyed the increase of the earth till thou come unto Gaza and left no sustenance sustenance for Israel, neither sheep nor ox nor ass. For they came up with their cattle and their tents, and they came as grasshoppers for multitude. Both they and their camels were without number. I mean, just consuming everything, destroying everything. They entered into the land to destroy it. And Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites. And the children of Israel cried unto the Lord. Why? They're literally starving to death here. I mean, anytime word got out that you had some food, somebody sold out to the Midianites and they're there taking it. They're just taking everything. They're destroying everything. And so what God does is he he calls a man. He raises up a man. And look at where we are in this part of the story. Israel has already sinned. Now we see God's man in hiding, right? Gideon's hiding when God calls him. Look at verse 11. There came an angel of the Lord and sat under an oak which was in Ophrah that pertained unto, here we go, we're gonna say it's Joash the Abizrite, sounds right. And his son Gideon threshed wheat by the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, the Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor, he said to the man who was hiding in fear. Gideon was hiding until God called him out. And thank God that Gideon shook off his fear and engaged because that was the delivering of his people. You know the story of his struggle of faith. You know the story of the the fleece and the water. And he worked through it. And he came to a place of faith. And the result is that God used Gideon to turn their world upside down. Look at chapter 7. Let's pick it up in verse 19. There's Gideon with the 300 men. The three companies, verse 20, below the trumpets, they break the the pitchers. They're holding the lamps in their left hands, the trumpets in their right hands to blow with all. Here it is, watch this, verse 20. And they cried, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. 
And they stood every man in his place round about the camp. And all the hosts ran and cried and fled. Now the shoe's on the other foot, they're hiding in fear. It wasn't until Gideon stopped hiding, heard the call of God on his life, and stepped out in faith, not fear. It wasn't until he answered that call that souls could be delivered. What a glorious deliverance. Had, had Gideon stayed in hiding, what would have happened? God's people would have continued to suffer in the bondage of sin. Look at the example of Saul, 1 Samuel chapter 9. Yeah, you need to turn there. I'm not putting it on the PowerPoint. It's too many verses. 1 Samuel chapter 9. Who was Saul? God raised him up to be a deliverer, a deliverer for Israel. He was selected. He was called of God. He was anointed king. He's ordained. But when it comes time to serve, where do we find him? Look at 1 Samuel chapter 10. 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse 20. When Samuel caused all the tribes of Israel to come near so that they could find out what he knew, that God had selected Saul. And then Saul, the son of Kish, was taken. When they sought him, he could not be found. Therefore they inquired of the Lord further, if the man should yet come thither. And the Lord answered, behold, behold, he hath hid himself among the stuff. And they had to go run and drag him out of hiding. Saul was hiding, don't miss the picture, he's hiding among the stuff. He's hiding in the stuff. You know, that's what some of God's people are doing now. They're hiding. They're hiding in the stuff of their life. You're, you're hiding your life behind your stuff. Well, I mean, it could be physical items. It could be, um, you know, I don't know. For you, maybe it's issues of emotional security. But the stuff of your life, you're hiding behind it. I'll lose too much if I engage in faith and God's call on my life. So now the stuff's in the way. Now he's got his excuse. You know, in your Bible, Moses is your contrast to Saul. Contrast is your next blank. Hebrews 11 describes Moses' attitude. Took him a while to come to this position, but there it is. He esteemed the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. For he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. By faith, he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king. For he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Moses didn't let I mean, talk about stuff. He had access to the stuff of kings. He could have enjoyed all the riches, all the treasures of Egypt. They were available to him. They were accessible to him. Reproach of Christ is better. The call of God on my life, that's, that, that, I'm not going to let stuff, the stuff in my life, get in my way. I'm not going to let it get in the way of God's call on my life. And here's Saul hiding in it. Moses says, forget it. God wants to use me. I'll endure anything, I'll endure suffering. Why, because God is with me in it. We do know that Saul had a belief problem. I think this is part of why he was afraid and hiding. And that comes out in 1 Samuel chapter 15. He's disobeyed the call of God over his life yet again. He ignores the word of the Lord, he does what's right in his own eyes. And very famous passage. Samuel rebukes him. He said, hath the Lord his great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he hath rejected thee from being king. That's why he rebelled against his call. And it's contagious. It's contagious. 
Now, not only, does, not only does Saul have this problem, but now the whole nation has the problem, right? It's contagious. Now it's Israel and Saul. Now all of Israel is hiding out in fear. <laughs> They're in fear over the power of the enemy. They're hiding from the task before them. David shows up. He's been called of God. He's been anointed. 1 Samuel chapter 17. Look at 1 Samuel chapter 17. We'll pick it up in verse 22. 1 Samuel 17 verse 22. And David left his carriage in the hand of the keeper of the carriage and ran into the army and came and saluted his brethren. I'm here, what's going on? And he talked with them, behold, there came up the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name. Here comes a full-on Nephilim, a giant, and he bellows his challenge. Goliath by name, out of the armies of the Philistines, and spake according to these same words, and David heard them. But watch the spirit of Saul (laughs) at work, verse 24. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him, and they were sore afraid. They had a call on their life. The Philistines, this giant, this wicked man, was challenging them. He was defying the God of Israel. And they ran and hide. They ran from their call. They ran until God used David to stir them up. Look down at verse 23. The men of Israel, they're given their excuse. They're given their reasons for why they're not engaging. Have you seen this man that has come up? Surely to defy Israel. Has he come up? Okay, right there, I just can't, I just, in my mind's eye, What would have happened? You know, the generation that took the promised land, the generation that conquered Canaan, they were dealing with giants left and right. I mean, this place was infested with them. Remember what they said? We're like grasshoppers compared to these people. I mean, they went in to kick giant, to kick Nephilim tail. That's what they did. And if their forefathers could have seen the nation of Israel, the armies of the Lord of hosts hiding behind their excuses, they'd be like, guys, it's just one giant. Like, What in the world? It's just one giant. Well, that was David's attitude. It shall be the man who killeth him. The king will enrich him with great riches and will give him his daughter. Enough said. I saw her. She's hot. (laughs) Okay, so he works through it. Now watch his brother's response. And Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spake unto the men, Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he he said, "Why, why camest thou... Why camest thou down uh, hither? And with whom, hath, with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? He says, I know thy pride and the naughtiness of thine heart, for thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle. Don't think you're gonna just do anything for the Lord here when you should be hiding with us. That's really, that's really where it's at. You know, if you're gonna obey the call of God on your life, you're gonna have people that are near and dear to you. They're gonna be upset about it. Count the cost. If you're gonna obey the call of God, if you're gonna surrender, if you're gonna submit your life to the call that God has on it, you're going to get grief from people that you love. Why, because, it, because a life of surrender to Christ, esteeming the reproach of Christ is greater than all the treasure of Egypt. That does not seem logical to this world. People aren't gonna see how it makes sense. They're gonna view you surrendering your life to the inferior. I love David's response to his elder brother. What now have I done? That's the way brothers talk to each other. What did I do? Is there not a cause? 
You bet there's a cause. And God used David to do the impossible. Look down in verse 41. We get to the showdown. So the giant comes. The Philistine came on, verse 41, and drew near unto David. And the man that bare the shield went before him. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him. I mean, there it is right there. It's a classic standoff. Off in the distance, you can hear the, 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 the cry of the eagle. In the movies, it's, it's always a hawk voice. Of the, <laughs> right? I mean, can you hear? Can you hear the cowboy standoff music right now? <laughs> That's it. Right? (laughs) There it goes. The Philistine said unto David, verse 43, Am I a dog that thou comest to me with staves? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me and I will give thy flesh unto the fowls of the air and to the beasts of the field. Then said David to the Philistine, thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. This day will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand, and I will smite thee and take thine head from me. I mean, talk, talk about talking trash. That's good stuff. And I will give the carcasses of the host, of the, I'm not just gonna kill you, I'm gonna kill everybody behind you. You tell him I'm coming and hell's coming with me. Again, if you have not watched Tombstone, it is a must view. I'm just, if you're a man and you haven't watched Tombstone, I don't think you have your man card yet. So there it is. Okay. You tell him I'm, okay, that's what he's doing here. I will give the carcasses of the host of the Philistines this day and to the fowls of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. David runs. He ran toward the army to meet the Philistine, puts his hand in the bag, takes the stone, slang it, hits the Philistine in the forehead. He falls on his face to the earth. Verse 50, so David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone and smote the Philistine and slew him. There was no sword in the hand of David, therefore David ran and stood upon the Philistine, took his sword, drew it out of the sheath thereof and slew him and cut off his head therewith. And when the Philistine saw their champion was dead, now they're running in terror, now they're hiding in fear. When the children of Israel returned from chasing after the Philistines, they spoiled their tents. So David's another great contrast to Saul, when David was called of God, he ran forward in faith. That, brothers and sisters, is the right response. When God is calling you into the work, when God is calling you to the ministry, whenever God is calling you to the mission, don't don't give excuses, run and engage because your God is with you. He moved forward in faith, not fear. And he answered the call and he was used of God to greatly matter for the kingdom. God used him to turn his world upside down. David kills the giant. Now next thing you know, everybody's killing giants. You get to chapter 21 and the Philistines are at war with Israel. David's a kind of older guy now and and, uh, he stumbles. I mean, a, a giant almost got him. 
uh, Ishbi, look at 1 Samuel 21, verse 15, uh, verse, no, verse 16. 2 Samuel, 2 Samuel 21, verse 16. David waxed faint, and Ishbi Benab, which was of the sons of the giant, the weight of whose spear weighed 300 shekels of brass in weight, he being girded with a new sword, thought to have slain David. But Abishai, the son of Zeruah, secured him and smote the Philistine, killed him. Just flat killed that giant, had it coming. Then the men of David said, you need to settle down, simmer down now. You just direct from behind. Verse 18, came to pass after this that there was again a battle with the Philistines at Gob. And Shibakai, the Hushathite, slew Saph, which was of the sons of the giant. The giant is Goliath. And there was again a battle in Gob with the Philistines. And Elhanan, the son of, we're going to say Jerry or Oregem, that sounds good, a Bethlehemite, slew the brother of Goliath, a Gittite the staff of whose spear was like a weaver's beam. There was yet another battle in Gath, and there was a man of great stature that had on every hand six fingers and on every foot six toes, four and twenty in number. He also was, watch this now, born to the giant. And when he had defied Israel, Jonathan, the son of Shemiah, the brother of David, slew him. These four were born to the giant in Gath, and they fell by the hand of David by the hand of his servants. Why did they think that they could kill? I mean, they're, just, a, just a few years ago, just, just a few decades ago, everybody was hiding in terror and fear over the idea of facing a giant. And now everybody's taking them out. You know, we had to slay giants to plant this church in Midtown. There were some big ones. <laughs> but is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? And now Mike Renault is out there right now slaying a giant in Boston. Praise the Lord. Andrew Wong is out there right now slaying a giant in Asia. Praise the Lord. Joseph Hayden is slaying giants in Zambia. Kale Horvath is slaying giants in Hungary. Sean Vance is slaying giants in Kenya. Justin, right? Brian Clark. I mean, these guys, they're, they're, they're taking on the impossible. Why? They're God's with them. Why is Andrew full of faith? to win the souls, make disciples, train and equip leaders. Well, he, he saw us do it here. Well, if MBT can do that, I can do that. So that brings me to the last question. I know there's giants. I know there's, I know it, I know it can be from a fleshly capability perspective, it can be an intimidating thing to consider the call of God on your life. But I wanna challenge you, point number four, will you stop hiding? Let's talk about you. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 11 says that all this was, these, I mean these stories are for us. All these things happen unto them for in samples. They are written for our admonition. Watch this now, look at what's upon whom the end of the world, I mean the ends of the world are come. The stakes have never been higher. And here some of you are, you're hiding. And I wanna challenge you tonight to cast off the spirit of fear. Stop hiding. God didn't give you a spirit of fear. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 says the spirit that God gave you is a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. You know, it was the fearful servant that hid his talent in Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19, Lord, here is thy pound, which I have kept laid up. I hid it in a napkin. For I feared thee, because thou art an astute man. What did the... 
What did the Lord say to him? Out of thine own mouth will I judge thee, thou wicked servant. He says in verse 23, wherefore then gavest not thou my money into the bank? At least, why didn't you at least invest it in the bank, just get some simple interest? That I might, at my coming, I might have required mine own with usury. I mean, at a minimum, brothers and sisters, you ought to financially support a missionary. Get some fruit that way. At a minimum, support a missionary. Brothers and sisters, I'm begging you, wake up. Do not be afraid to go all in with God. He's called you. You're like, I don't think he's called me. Yes, he did, he called you. (laughs) The things that you've heard among many faithful witnesses, the same, you are to go, right? You are to commit those to faithful men and women who will be able to teach others also. What was the mission given to the church? Matthew 28, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you, I will be exalted in the nations. God is our refuge, I will be with you always, even unto the end of the world, amen. And I just wanna ask you tonight, what are the reasons for your rebellion? I want to submit to you they're the same as Eve's. You're afraid to serve God because that's not, I mean, that might mean a hard life. Suffering with Christ, that's what you're promised. Serving God, is, I'm afraid it's going to be a second-rate life. Or God is holding out on you. I could have more. Or he's signing you up for the inferior. I don't want to waste my life serving God. You know, it's a, it's a or, or you've got that, you've fallen into that trap, you know, I'm going to someday. But let me first prove my cattle, my, my oxen. Let me first check out, you know, building my home and I can get my, 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 my house, my car, my boat, my mansion and yacht, you know, all of that. And then I'll serve the Lord. And again, for Adam, it's like, I'm afraid of what I'll lose. I don't want to lose what I already have. Well, guess what? You're going to lose it no matter what. You are going to lose it. You're going to lose it all. First Corinthians chapter three says the works that you, you know, that you build for yourself in this world, they burn up, they go up in flame. The objects that you have, the material possessions, they go up too, look at 2 Peter 3. When the Lord comes, 2 Peter 3.10, everything melts in heat. Your houses, your lands, your stuff, it's all going up in flame. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in all, the, all holy conversation and godliness looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for a new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. And so here's the obvious conclusion, verse 14. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, be diligent that you may be found of him in peace without spot blameless. How much better to lose all for Christ This is the principle that he gives you. Look at Matthew 16, 25. Whosoever shall save his life shall lose it. And whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. That's the principle. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of the Father with his angels, and his reward is in his hand. And he shall reward every man according to his works. It will be worth it all. Do you believe the Bible or not? It will be worth it all when we see Jesus. 
I mean, you want to talk about reward, one glimpse of his dear face. That, that's why Paul tells Timothy, if we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, there won't be reward. We will not be ruling and reigning with Christ. See, the enemy wants you to believe that the cost is too high. It's going to be too inconvenient for you. It's going to be too hard. Study the Apostle Paul sometime. Man, he was all in before he knew anything about it. Who art thou, Lord? <laughs> he was all in. And that's the key. If, you will, if you're at a place where you go all in on Jesus, then whatever your king calls you to, whatever it is, wherever it is, however, whenever, I mean, man, I'm all in. Contemplate his suffering for you. He was all in for you. He laid down his life for you. He was totally consecrated to you. The least we could do for not just a Jewish Messiah, but the creator, the living God, the King of kings and Lord of lords is to lay down our lives for him, to be totally consecrated to him. Be all in, no fear. Daniel eleven thirty two says, but the people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. Contemplate Christ's suffering and then contemplate your own death. You're gonna die. You're gonna die. The stats are very clear. 100% of the people who live, they die. Like, oh, I read a story about a guy that got, you know, went up in chair. Okay, that's the exception that proves the rule. If you're holding, I mean, oh, I'm gonna get raptured, I'm gonna get, you don't know that. If the Lord tarries, turn to your neighbor and tell him. You don't know the answer? Turn to your neighbor and tell him. You're gonna, you're gonna die. <laughs> that's what's gonna happen. Don't threaten them. I mean, this is taking way too long. <laughs> Contemplate your death. Don't fear it. Engage for Christ's kingdom. Who will say, I am all in for the cause of Christ? Who will say, he is worth it? Who will say, I'm done hiding in fear? And engage in faith. I'm begging you. Some of you, God is calling you to the pastorate. He's calling you to missions, and you know it. In the bottom of your heart, in the quietness of your heart, you hear him. He wants you. He wants you to surrender it all, to give all into his cause, to take the whole of your life and serve him in ministry. Stop hiding and answer that call. And then tomorrow train like David did as a shepherd. Perfect your praise, be faithful and fruitful, sign up, take it, get, get discipled. Get, get your LFBI training. Be all in while you're prepping and at the same time, stay available, be ready. Don't be upside down in life, don't be upside down in debt. Uh, here's a pro tip, don't marry an idiot or a jerk because that will greatly hinder you in the mission. Pro tip. Some of you, God is calling you to the pastorate tonight. There's no way he's not. All these churches haven't been doing what they're doing for nothing. <laughs> Some of you, you're gonna be called into the pastorate tonight. Some of you, you're called into to missions to go into cross-cultural cross missions. God's gonna call you to that tonight. You know he already is. I remember when I was a young man and the word of God was burning in my heart and I surrendered my life. And I got trained and my friends would go out 
they go out as missionaries and pastors all over the world and, and I'd just be depressed on my couch. I, was, I wasn't gonna make anything happen. I was determined God was going to direct my life so that I could not miss his will. But I'd already answered the call and I'm serving in my, in my local church. Uh, I'm all in on the mission there, winning souls, making disciples, helping with the training. But I remember I'd, uh, there were a few times, I'm, you know, we sent out another litter mate, one of my friends, to somewhere else in the world, and I go home crying on my couch. Like, God, what am I, chopped liver? <laughs> uh, I was making good money, and I had a pickup truck that was, um, you know, had some miles on it, and I'm like, I'm making pretty good money. I'm gonna get me a real truck. And I was shopping, I was looking, and I got under so much conviction about it. And I'm like, why can't I get peace about buying this truck? I'm, Lord, you know, I, work hard. I work hard for my money. I work hard for my money. So you better treat me right. I just want a pickup truck. Okay, so I'm shopping, I'm looking, and I can't get peace, and all of a sudden it just hits me. I was, doing cross, I was doing the circuit riding ministry, pastor for the weekend in some small country church, and I'm like, oh my goodness, it's happening. That's the only explanation for why I cannot, I mean like I get our conviction thinking about signing up for a big you know, car payment, and um, I'm like, I'm gonna get paid in chickens out in some country church somewhere, I, I, I can't afford this. I need to keep this truck running. Sure enough, two weeks later, I get the call to be a, to be a, a, a pastor at, at the Kansas City Baptist Temple. And the pay was not great. It's a good thing I didn't go get another car. Uh, you know, keep yourself at a place where you can respond to the call. So don't get in big debt. Don't marry an idiot. Don't marry a jerk. I mean, you'll be fine. But stop hiding and engage. Get to work, get equipped, and stay positioned so that you can go. I mean, if the Lord tarries, brothers and sisters, if the Lord tarries, in the next two or three years, this stage should be full of men and women that we are laying hands on and sending out into ministry to reproduce who we are, to reproduce the Living Faith Fellowship and other places in the world. Why wouldn't we? Let me rephrase that. Why wouldn't you? This time next year, the years follow. I mean, I, this stage should be full of people, full of men, not cowards, who are giving up everything for the gospel and the cause of Christ because he's worthy. And if not you, then who? How many believers are actually left that actually believe they have the certainty of the words of truth? If not you, who? I mean, how many are left that actually can rightly divide it? If not you, who? How many are left that actually know how to use the word of God in the lives of people? Listen, Gideon, the Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. Be strong and courageous. Answer the call. In the quietness of your heart, God is calling you to give everything, to go all in on the cause for Christ. And the devil and your flesh and the lost world and the voices of the people in your life, they're whispering, it's too much. It doesn't really matter anyway. Don't sign up for the inferior. It's all unreasonable. Joshua 24, 15 
Joshua said, if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, well, you decide, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether yourself, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I'd like us to bow our heads and close our eyes and can I just beg you, ministry leaders, every time I say, bow your heads and close your eyes, all the ministry leaders are like, whoop. And you're watching, who's gonna raise their hand? Please, just let people work with the Lord, all right? I just ask everybody, bow your head, close your eyes, and in the quietness of your heart, examine it. Is the voice of the Lord calling? The Lord called, the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, where art thou? And you hear it and you know you're AWOL. Is there anybody here tonight that would say, Pastor, please pray for me. I know I've got a call on my life. God's calling me into the pastorate. He's calling me into missions. And I haven't answered that call yet. Pastor, please, would you pray for me? Can I see your hands? Because I want to do that. Yes, ma'am, yes, okay, oh my, yeah, okay. Anybody else? I know I've got a call on my life and I haven't answered it yet, please pray for me. Okay, okay, okay. And I feel like I have to ask this. Is there, I mean, this happens. Um, there's, there's people in this room that don't know Christ as Lord and Savior. If you died tonight, you'd be eternally separate from him. Is there anybody that would say, Pastor, please pray for me. I don't have Christ as my Lord and Savior. I need to be born again, I need to be saved. Would you please pray for me? Can I see your hands? I wanna pray for you. Is there anyone in this room? I don't know that I'm a believer. Pastor, please pray for me. So Father, I come to you now in Jesus' name and God, I, I pray for all of these that have raised their hand and said they have not responded to your call. And Lord, I know if I asked how many have, there, there'd be so many more hands that would go up. But Lord, I wanna tell you before them that so help me God by your grace, I give myself to you afresh. Lord, take my life and use it however you want. God, don't let me waste my life. God, would you make me fruitful for your glory? Please use me to win souls, to make disciples, to train believers, to matter for the mission. And so Father, I just submit my life to you afresh and I commit the whole of my life for you. Wherever you wanna use me, whatever you wanna do, Father, I'm in. And Lord, with all my heart, I'm praying for my brothers and sisters that tonight they will hear and obey your call. It's a hard but right path. But it's a life of faith because even though ser serving your cause, Lord, that's, that's rewarding in and of itself. On top of the fact that the tangible aspects of reward are not even seen in this life. And so Lord, help my brothers and sisters have an eternal perspective and recognize that you're calling them and that, and that suffering with you, suffering reproach with Christ 
It's far better, it's far greater than all the treasures that this world has to offer. God, if the men and women of the Living Faith Fellowship do not respond to the call, who is gonna go and win souls, make disciples, and train them to do ministry? If not these, then who? God, forgive us for our excuses, forgive us for our reasons, and Lord, I pray that you would help us to submit our lives to you all in Jesus' name, amen. We're gonna stand, we're gonna worship together. If God is dealing with your heart and you, do, and you know that you need to surrender your life to the call of Christ, maybe you've done that in the past and quite frankly, you haven't actually taken a step forward in that calling. And so you need to repent and, and uh, rededicate yourself to the call of God over your life. But if God's calling you into the ministry, if God's calling you into the pastorate, if God is calling you into missions, I wanna invite you to, to do something physical, to step out and put a stake down, make a commitment. And for the pastors that are visiting, I wanna invite you to keep an eye out for any of the folks that you have that are doing this so that you know who they are, so you can pray for them, uh, so that you can shepherd them in that process of responding to that call. Does this make sense? And so God is calling, now is the time to respond. Uh, we'll, 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 we'll take some time here, we'll take the space to take care of business with God. And so if you know God's speaking to your heart, be done with the excuses. There is a world lost. It is in bondage, it is in darkness and sin. And you've got the light of the gospel and God's saying, I'm gonna take you out of your place, I'm gonna take you out of your comfort, and I'm gonna use you. So help me by my grace, I'm gonna use you to rock the nations for my glory. Brothers and sisters, be done with the excuse. Go all in on Jesus, amen? So if God is dealing with you, come on, let's, let's make that, let's put that stake down, let's make that commitment. Let's worship.